bureaucracy's basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to file reports, make recommendations, and survive on water that drips from the boiler pipes in the back room into our open mouths as we sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper. Maybe one day we'll escape from the subterranean hell that is this meeting room, but until that day, this city is not going to improve itself. So here we stay, improving things. This meeting is now in session. Happy holidays. Happy, happy Hanukkah days to you, sir. What are you doing for miscellaneousness this year? Oh, uh, I, I plan to, um, I, I plan to like light random things that I find around the office. Getting very festive. Nice. Uh, I found some lighter fluid uh, in the back room, so I'm just going to spray it randomly on the walls and then just ignite it. So we have like a festive holiday uh, conflagration. Good, good. Uh, and don't forget, December 20th is the, uh, of, of any given year, is when we can officially burn the public accounts from the previous year. Excellent. I've been looking forward to that. Um, partly because uh, I accidentally burned them last month, um, but I was trying to have a barbecue. I was trying to surprise you. Oh, that's kind. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, unfortunately, I didn't have any uh, meat. I had some sandwiches from the vending machine, and it uh, turns out um, they're so chemically treated they can't burn. Oh, no. Yeah. Huh. Can they digest, though? Or do I they don't know, because of, they, they melted down into a small, hard lozenge. Oh. Which might be super nutritious. I'm not sure. May have just found a new uh, food supplement that we could all be taking. Well, I did eat, eat it, and I, I don't believe I've eaten much of anything since. No. Well, you look fine. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I feel, I feel tremendously sick and hungry, but I look okay. Well, um, get over it, because we, we, have, oh. we have the final Queen City Improvement Bureau meeting of the year to uh, complete. Right. I'll, I'll walk it off. Okay. Uh, do we have an, do we have an attendance that we should be doing? Um, yeah. Um, you, you know, I just, I'm just, there's, there seems to be a big, uh, usually I've got like a bunch of like cut up letters that I paste together. Um, but I, uh, the, the paper didn't show up. So I got nothing. Oh. I don't, I don't, but I've, I recognize you. I mean, I've seen you around the office. Okay. Um, like and well, over, you're, you're here. I'm here too. Yeah, okay, you're I'm here. here too. So we know um, that we, have, we have two attendees at the meeting. Okay. So, uh, I mean, your name escapes me, um, as does mine, but, uh, I think it's the side effects of not eating. But I'm. But since we're here, I will mark us both down as present. That sounds perfect to me. Do we have quorum? We, who knows? I believe. I believe we also have a cat that's that's trying to get my attention. It's that time of year. Mm-hmm. For cats, it's that time of the year when the, when, the, when cats catch you up, and the, and the leopard, the leopard in the hallway comes in to to like stay warm. Mm-hmm. And not gnaw our limbs sometimes when we sleep. 
Yeah, in a festive way, though, at least. Fest, a festive consumption of, of our limbs. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, if we're going to call this meeting to order, um, I guess uh, I'll take a look here at the agenda. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you know, there's a... Uh, uh, this doesn't really impact us so much because we we cannot be more isolated and quarantined from the general public. But apparently there is a plague uh, ravaging the the surface world. Uh, So I have heard. And uh, we, um, yeah, they're they're, they're having to pass all these rules and laws, uh, basically forcing people to live more like us uh, to keep themselves safe. Hmm. So stay in a basement, keep the lights turned off, uh, lick your boilers, and uh, don't interact with other humans and become pasty and white, and you will uh, you'll you'll live uh, to to see the surface again. Apparently. That sounds great. Well, I'm already kind of pasty and white, so. Um, I'm in a basement. I don't see the outside world. Um, I barely breathe. Uh, so I feel pretty good about my chances. You are. You should be on the posters for uh, the response to the COVID plague. They tried putting me on posters for another thing. Uh, apparently, children cried. Oh. So, yeah. It wasn't for Weeping Children's Day? It was not for Weeping Children's Day. It was not, yeah. And uh, Weeping Mothers and Children's Day alike, not that. Well, uh, the the news reports that I'm getting say that they have just passed some new rules to Mm -hmm. help people get through this plague and through the holiday season during the plague. And the the, the rules that have been passed, apparently people are starting this Thursday. So uh, we're recording on a Tuesday. On the Thursday... People should only be mingling indoors with the people they live with. And if you live alone, you can go visit uh, a f- one other family uh, mm-hmm. of less than, okay, so the report is less than five people. When did, this is a digression, when did uh, the surface world editors decide that it was acceptable to refer to less than five people instead of fewer than five people? This is a good question because saying less than five people grammatically makes no sense. And yet I'm seeing this. I I think this might be a symptom of COVID that uh, your grammar starts to fall apart. Or it may be a symptom of COVID that people begin to fuse together into like a lump. Oh, like so like you get like lumps of five people. Right. So people is now just a unit of mass and not... Not a discrete uh, counter. Right. Yeah. So yeah, less than five people. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay, good. I'm glad we cleared that up. Thank you. Me too. Another another thing that's going to be happening starting uh, December 19th. Uh, this blows my mind. Casinos and biz- and bingo halls have to close down on December 19th. How? Have they been open all this time in the first place? Is this your question, sir? That's my question, yeah. Uh, Can you explain this to me? What is the deal with casinos and bingo halls that they need to stay open until practically Christmas? Uh, Somebody, somewhere, 
said, what about the casinos and, business and, and bingo halls? Won't somebody think of them? And somebody in a room somewhere with other people said, oh, yeah, them. Huh. And that's what happened. Huh. Aren't these basically government things? You would think they'd be the easiest to close down. You would think. You would think that a government would be able to govern in times of a genuine public health crisis. But sometimes governments uh, don't govern. If if their philosophy is in regular times not to govern, then they will find themselves woefully unequipped for difficult times when they Hmm. need to govern. That's interesting. Is my take. That's interesting. Hey, this is true. I used to work in casinos. I was, for many, many years, I was a blackjack dealer. Every summer, I would work in casinos, and that's how I would make my living, by dealing blackjack at casinos. I I, I left that industry convinced that casinos are nothing but buildings in which to house the miserable. Because I typically only worked, like I was just a seasonal worker, I only worked in the summers, uh, I would never get the sugar evening jobs when you got like the big tips. But mostly I worked the afternoon shifts. Afternoon shifts in casinos are the saddest cavalcade of sad sacks and Willie Lomans that you can imagine. The clientele during the daytime at a casino is mainly uh, uh, people on their pensions who are coming in Mm -hmm. and they get their pension check. They come in and they blow their pension check at the blackjack table. That uh, a province would consider this business as some kind of essential service that we have to keep open through a plague uh, suggests to me that perhaps uh, they need to go into a casino and see what they're actually like one time. Well, who, who would have thought that, that, they, that the government would like value and want to keep happy uh, the people who have, um, who have retired and have nothing to do but gamble and uh, vote every four years? I guess that's it, hey? But, uh, and bingo halls, I don't know. I've also worked bingos. Mm-hmm, me too. Uh, this would have been before mass cigarette smoking indoors bans were put in place. Oh, me too. Yeah, so any damage that I have to my lungs is from those, you know, those few days that I worked bingos. Now, and here's the thing, like, when, when you go in, if you recall, when you would go into a bingo hall from, from those times when everybody smoked... And you could see that, like, even usually bingo halls are in, like, high-ceilinged areas, right? Like, like almost warehouse or, you know, gymnasium-style areas. But the smoke would only, like, basically rise maybe maximum 10 feet in the air. So you'd get this sort of, like, heavy, dense blanket of smoke. I'm aware that tobacco particulate uh, is... You know, heavier than air. So it's not a perfect analog for the way that air circulates in a room. But it's not completely off either. So when you think about going into those places, everybody talking and breathing, imagine where their breath is going. It's hanging in a dense blanket over everyone. It's not just harmlessly dissipating. I think you're probably right. Yeah. You get coronavirus that way. Yeah. In those days, it, you would go into these buildings and it would look like a real pea super, you know, like <laughs> Victorian fog. 
<laughs> That's right. And now it's just an invisible pea super of, of COVID. Right. Well, fortunately, after December 19th, we no longer have to worry about getting COVID uh, while gambling. That is excellent. What else do we have for new measures? Hair salons, massage parlors, uh, they're going to have to go down to half capacity. Uh, Events uh, can still host events uh, up to 30 people, but they can't serve food. Why? I think because everybody's pointing in one direction. So all their COVID is being... Because uh, on the stage at these events, you have the creative class, which don't typically vote. Uh, mm-hmm. in a certain way, and all those COVID particles are being pointed at them. Ah, That's my theory. It's a conspiracy. Yeah. Lastly, a notable point is on Christmas Day, retail services will be reduced to half capacity uh, and large retailers will be reduced to 25% capacity. So the whole pre-Christmas shopping season is effectively a free-for-all. And on Christmas Day, this changes. The thing that outrages me about this is that this government has canceled Boxing Day. It's nothing sacred anymore. Right. I, I, want, I want to shop at pretend sales after Christmas, actually spend more, because Boxing Day sales are, are, are kind of a scam. So there we go. That's, yeah. I, I'm, I am so disheartened that we cannot blow our budgets on an orgy of like post-Christmas consumerism. Well, I thought the whole deal with Boxing Day is that you were supposed to be escaping the family that you've been trapped in the house with by going to the mall. And so that, that, that premium price is to uh, get you out of more awkward conversations with your racist grandfather. That is exactly it. Oh, hey, um, this is off topic, but I, I would like, can I, can I read you uh, an email I just received? Absolutely. Okay, this is a, a LinkedIn a network invite saying, Aiden, please add me to your LinkedIn network. Okay. And this one, and this is the, the, the intro bio from the person. Uh, hello, I am X, I don't want to say the person's name, a wife, mom, grandma, blogger, and entrepreneur, exclamation point. I love to connect with other people who may have similar interests, exclamation point. Let's connect and see how we can network, exclamation point. Networking is the number one unwritten rule of success in business, exclamation point. And this person's bio says, creating a better future, exclamation point. If you want something big, dash, you can't do it alone, exclamation point, Alberta, Canada. What? Now, generally when people send me LinkedIn invites, I, I kind of just say, okay, I'll accept them because I... Who pays attention to LinkedIn? Yeah. Who? Whom's amongst us? But I, I just get the feeling that with this person, I would accept their LinkedIn invite. And with it, probably within maybe days, I would start getting weird anti-mask uh, and COVID conspiracy stuff. I've always felt that LinkedIn was the stalker of uh, social medias. And uh, so, yeah, I've never actually gone onto it. Um, do you, is there what value do you get from LinkedIn? I, I every so often I get people saying, "Is there a job where you work?" Okay, and I say, "Check SAS jobs." Right. Um, well, that's very kind of you. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, well, well. <laughs> um, because where I work, like, sorry, breaking kayfabe here. My day yep. job is a great place to work. So if people want to work there, I say go for it. 
but by and large, the, the best thing about LinkedIn is seeing like mass email so stories from, from uh, like career influencers and they're like absolutely bonkers. Almost certainly that never happened. Uh, tales uh, like interviewing a guy on Zoom. Like there's a famous one. Like there's a, a boss saying, I interviewed this guy on Zoom. He didn't look very professional. I could see his family in the background. And I told him I wasn't impressed. And then he said, sir, you have to understand, I haven't had a job in three years and we all live in this very small apartment. And the, in the interviewer was so moved that he offered him a job on the spot. And then the guy hugged his wife and like right then there saying, babe, we got it. <laughs> like there's a lot of this shit and it is delightful. It's almost certainly nonsense, but that's where you get, that's where you get it. LinkedIn. I, I don't, I don't have Facebook anymore. So LinkedIn is the closest I get. Oh, uh, yeah. That just makes me sad. Uh, you are missing, uh, sorry, also a digression. Uh, they've updated the look of Facebook and it is no longer like, uh, a caustic fluid on your eyeballs. It's no longer like um, <laughs> rubbing yourself with the sharpest edges of the 1990s uh, internet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because what they've done is they've made it look like Twitter. Yeah, it is almost indistinguishable from uh, indistinguishable from Twitter now. So it's got the same clean look. It's got the same uh, rounded edges to everything. It's still, oh, it's still a horror show. Uh, it's still something that needs to be avoided like the plague. It's not as like aesthetically uh, vomit inducing. All right. Anyways, um, I just wanted to go over one last thing related to uh, the COVID response and it's just mask bylaws and how we do have a mask law in Saskatchewan. Uh, it didn't come too, too, too long ago though. Like we can still, uh, like an, an, a new baby, we can still uh, age the mask bylaw with numbers of weeks. But the city of Regina, never never shake your bylaw, by the way. No, never. Absolutely not. In August, city council had actually brought a mask, a mandatory mask bylaw forward. So this was long before the province even considered any kind of mask bylaw or mask rules uh, for the province. It would have had an enforcement manda- uh, mechanism. It would have made masks mandatory in all public indoor spaces. Um, and every single member of the council at the time, this is pre- before our new council, every single councillor had signed on it and the mayor. So there was massive support for this uh, mandatory mask motion uh, that would have led to a bylaw. But council, as it often does, uh, opted to not pass that at the meeting that it was proposed at because that's far too efficient, far too quick a response to a pandemic. Uh, so instead they tabled it, uh, and this was put forward, the tabling was proposed by then-Mayor Fougere and seconded by former councillor, Councillor Bryce, and they put this off to a future meeting and asked administration to prepare a report about mandatory mask bylaws. So between the time that this motion was written and the meeting started, the mayor had flipped from signing on enthusiastically to, whoa, hold your horses, let's get a report on this. This request for a report did not pass unanimously. It got like six to five uh, support and passed. Uh, The report came back in September, um, so a month later. 
and administration had had discussions with Saskatchewan Health Authority and recommended against a mask bylaw. Basically, what Saskatchewan Health had advised the city is that the city didn't have the expertise to be gauging when restrictions are necessary. Uh, The uh, report, uh, language from the report is things like, quote, voluntary compliance with masking rules is supported by a significant amount of information and public health education campaigns being led by the government of Saskatchewan and the Public Health Agency of Canada. Our recent meetings with the Saskatchewan Health Authority highlighted the city does not have contextual details about location, sources of infection, and transmission that are important in making a judgment on the need for further community restrictions. So this was kind of the nail in the coffin of this. Council voted unanimously after discussion of this uh, report from administration to just continue monitoring the situation and not implement a mask mandate in the city. Uh, I wanted to play uh, quickly here a audio clip from Councillor Bryce kind of describing her reasoning for why this was not necessary. And it's a fairly good insight into what people were thinking at this meeting. I don't think we need to be a council that over-regulates. I think that when this is needed, we would step up and, and vote it in. So so I don't think we need to over-regulate if people are already voluntarily uh, putting on their masks. I don't want to be a council that's out there fining people for not wearing masks, people talking to bylaw, trying to tell on each other, so-and-so's not wearing a mask and the like. You know, we'll do our best to keep people safe and and requirements within our own facilities. But I really don't think um, a bylaw or uh, mandating um, masks to be uh, mandatory is is the right way to go. So um, I think the yeah. recommendation um, to council is appropriate. So um, I totally agree with it. Seems a little short sighted in hindsight. Yeah, this was end of September that this uh, happened. Uh, At that time, we were at 24 cases active in the city of Regina. As of a week or so ago, we passed the 1,000 active case threshold, and we are, as of today, at 1,173 active cases in the city. So that's in a little over two months, we have gone from 24 to over 1,100. And I'm hoping that there are people at City Hall and people in the provincial government that are thinking, if only we had imposed mandatory masking at the end of September or at the end of August when these these things came up at the city level, uh, how much could this outbreak that we're living through right now have been blunted by that simple measure that all science was telling us was a good idea, but Saskatchewan Health Authority was telling the city, no, sorry, you just, you, you don't know what you're talking about. We do. Yeah. I think it's also worth noting that between the time that that motion was written and that that motion was voted down, uh, so over the whatever, five, four or five weeks, uh, that coincided with the first sizable anti-mask rallies at the legislature in Regina. This was also the time that anti-maskers were becoming very vocal and were presumably contacting their city councillors about things like mandatory mask uh, motions. I think it's disturbing that we may have had, 
you know, the possibility of a sensible public health response to COVID that was switched off by the province and potentially by these anti-mask protesters. And we are now, the, the, the plague uh, runs free in the streets. That's all I've got on this. I'm hoping that, uh, you know, once the uh, the shopping season is all done, that we'll start to see some more sensible uh, measures taken. Of course, you know, when the city does propose things like this, the city decides to do things on its own. We do have to harken back to April when the city tried to increase the uh, COVID response measures at a municipal level, invoke its own emergency response protocols, uh, and was told, yeah, no, by the province. And the Saskatchewan party government said, uh, we want a consistent, we want a consistent approach across, across the province. You can't do this. And so their time was shut down. Uh, and you know, the, the hypocrisy of that when, uh, a few months later, the province decides to not implement any kind of COVID protocol within schools and leaves it up to school divisions to make those decisions itself. So there's a smorgasbord of COVID responses at the school level across the province, but municipalities had to hew to the SAS party line. Anyways, I think we should go to innovative revenue tools. Yes, indeed. Let's, let's have, let's have an innovative tool. All right. Whatever those are. The Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. So those are some fine uh, innovative revenue tools. Um, Very innovative. We still have a couple items on the agenda, though. Uh, There was an executive committee meeting. Second executive mm-hmm. committee meeting for our new city council. Uh, they are starting to deal with uh, important financial issues. Uh, there was, uh, because it's a new council, typically what they do is we have, um, in a normal year, budget is considered in December with a new council. They put it off until into the new year. And so one of the first things that needs to be done with the new council is they need to have a bunch of uh, uh, motions to pass uh, bridging uh, spending so that they can still like, they still have money to run the city until the delayed budget gets passed in, I believe it's March that we'll be considering at this time. Uh, and uh, considering how huge the budget is, like as a gigantic document, it involves a lot of uh, uh, discussion with council. Uh, it does take months to get like new councillors up to speed. And we've got, as we've mentioned in the past, six new people on council, including a new mayor. So I think it's, you know, it behooves administration to make sure that this council is on side with uh, the uh, financial priorities that the city will be putting out in its budget. Um, so uh, they did pass those. That's all pretty, uh, pretty standard. Uh, here's what we had budgeted uh, last year. So we just want to continue with the same amount of money to keep these programs like road repair, uh, snow clearance, things like that. They need to keep going. Um, Two items, though, of note uh, popped up and they'll be discussed at council tomorrow. But I think they're worth looking at even before there's a final decision made. The first one was property tax relief for daycares. Right. 
And both these items are property tax issues. Uh, we, two years ago, uh, local daycares said, you know, we've had like this massive reassessment of uh, the, um, our property values and we can no longer afford to function uh, paying the property taxes that we've been given. We need uh, some time, some breathing space to uh, rearrange our finances and uh, figure out a system so that we can pay the property taxes that we owe. So council voted to give them two years of 40% tax relief. And uh, this was up this year. And unfortunately, daycares are like, uh, now we have a pandemic and um, we have uh, had like a huge drop off in the number of kids who are coming in. We're not, we don't have like the cash flow that we need to stay alive. Uh, could we carry on this program for oh. another year? Um, because I think it is safe to say that daycares are a, um, an essential service uh, in the city. And that if we were to see like over the course of the pandemic, a bunch of, you know, co-op daycares close their doors because this is happening in other cities. Daycares are shutting down. If that were to happen in Regina, when the pandemic ends and people are going back to work, there won't be that uh, day, that childcare capacity that uh, you need for a functioning economy. Uh, and this will only cost the city $63,000, this 40% tax relief. It's almost, at this point, $63,000 is such a small amount. I'm surprised it's not just we could declare daycares a different class of property and reduce their property taxes by that much across the board. Um, also, I think it really highlights the need for better supports from the provincial and federal level for daycares because we need them. And if they can't, if all of, if, if the daycares in our city can't collectively cover $63,000, it suggests that their margins are a little bit too thin uh, right now and they, they, they need support. So uh, I'm glad that the city is stepping up to, uh, to help them out. On the flip side, there was another request for property tax relief at this executive committee meeting, and it was for 1971 Albert Street, the Capitol Point site. Ooh, our favorite site of all. Yeah, time. Just, just when you think the story is ending, the story continues. It keeps on giving. There's always another chapter. <laughs> And we should start calling it 1971, Albert, because it is, no, it is not and will never be Capital Point at this point. Exactly. I think, I think you're right on this count. Uh, as we discussed at our last meeting in the December, December 2nd, this is an important date, the December 2nd council meeting, uh, we, our council passed a bylaw to make that site a one-year temporary surface parking lot at the request of the people who don't own the site, but who want to buy the site. Saying hmm. we will not buy the site unless we get this one year surface parking lot. Well, here we are a few weeks later. And the, now it's hard, I do not rock how this property deal is working, but the current owners in quotey marks, uh, Smith Street Lands Limited, who are partnering with Magnetic, to be the current right. owners of the land, have requested uh, 600 
$1,000 in property tax relief. Well, this who paid, wants to pay $600,000? Certainly not me. Certainly not you. But neither of us have a surface, a brand new surface parking lot. <laughs> um, the request came on November 30th. So several days, three days before the council meeting at which they decided to make this a surface parking lot. And uh, the request is, and it's actually more than 600,000, it's 692,000. So it's more like $700,000. And these are the taxes penalties that have been accumulating since July of 2018. Um, And Smith Street Lands have entered this partnership with Magnetic. So Magnetic is going to buy the property through a court order. And they will be partnering with Smith Street, presumably to develop the lot, though no plan has come before council yet. And, um, but Smith Street will be the owner, I think, based on what's in the report. All of this is the result of a court order due to a foreclosure action started by KEB Hannah Bank. I only mention this because this story keeps going on. The number of players continues to increase. So I figure we should just make sure we know who all the characters are, whether they're going to be significant in the future. I don't know. Magnetic has said, if they do not get this property tax relief, this property, this purchase of the site may not go through anymore. So, one more condition on whether or not this lot will go get sold and get developed is now $700,000 in property tax relief. The city has recommended, the administration has recommended against this tax abatement. Uh, they have said that there is no standing. There's no like legal reason why they should have to do this under the city's act. The, the, the city's act does actually lay, like the city is allowed to charge penalties, is allowed to charge property taxes, is allowed to, um, you know, fill in a dangerous hole that was left by a contractor and then charge the owner of that land for filling in that hole. This is all stuff that the city is, it's their job. But there's also, you know, provisions within the city's act for when the city can like provide relief from penalties and fees and taxes. Uh, magnetic and Smith Street have not, according to the city, uh, demonstrated that there is a basis under the city's act for them to get this relief from their tax bill. Um, They have not claimed financial hardship. They've not claimed that they are incapable of paying these taxes. Um, They've only said that as far as this tax bill is concerned, they just don't want to pay it. So... Um, and Smith Street is basically doing the arm twisty thing of, if you don't give us, effectively give us $700,000, uh, this deal won't go through and then nobody's going to build anything on this site. Uh, hopefully, we will find out tomorrow. This will be debated. Uh, presumably, somebody from Magnetic or Smith Street will come to council to plead their case and why they should be given $700,000. Um, so we will hear the other side of the story and this will be decided. Hopefully council will not be swayed and will hold the property owner to pay the bill that any other one of us would have to pay if we were in arrears on our taxes. Right. Uh, yeah, like I, w- I would love to phone up CRA and say, Hey, I'm going to 
you know, you have to like give me a big tax rebate or, or I don't pay more taxes. I don't, I don't actually understand what's going on with this, but okay. It's absurd. Uh, one nice little side note is that uh, if this doesn't go through, if they don't get their 700,000 and Magnetic does pull out of the deal as they're threatening and this site does not get sold and it stays in the hands of, presumably it's still owned by Westgate, the original owners of the site. If it stays in their hands, on December 2nd, council passed a bylaw allowing a one-year temporary parking lot on that site. <clears throat> the, dis, the, the zoning, the, what do you call it? The, uh, the, the zoning that was applied to that lot is on the lot. It's not with the owners. So whoever owns this site will be able to put a, a, per, a surface parking lot for a minimum of one year, whether it's Westgate or whether it's the new owner, you get a parking lot on that site, even though the reason they were given that parking lot is to facilitate the development of that site. If this deal doesn't go through, that is untethered. And um, it's just, it's a hilarious little outcome. Okay, so just just get this straight. So if the deal goes through, we get a parking lot. Yes. If the deal doesn't go through, will probably still get a parking lot. It's likely, yeah. If the core of the Earth overheats and blows up the entire planet, fling it into molten bits to the edge of the solar system, we'll probably still get a parking lot. That site was destined to be a parking lot from the very beginning. Yep. And there's nothing we can do. Destiny is more powerful. <laughs> we know the future. That will be a parking lot. And no matter how we try to dodge that future, uh, fate keeps bringing us parking lot. Closer and closer to like a smooth asphalt grade. Okay. Anyways, we are on 91.3 FM CJTR tuned into the community. We're the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Um, okay, that's it. This will be the last council meeting of 2020. There are no other meetings on the schedule until 2021. Um, so that is the 1971 parking lot tax rebate schlamazzle is the only thing I'm going to the meeting for. Uh, what should I, when this is all done, what should I be binging Aiden on uh, the stream? A few few things. Uh, one thing you can, uh, if you, if you're in the mood for a rom-com, uh, and you don't have Hulu because you're in Canada, uh, head to iTunes and get happiest season. Clea DeVal's uh, lesbian holiday uh, feel-good fest starring Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis and Aubrey Plaza. What I have heard is that Aubrey Plaza is fantastic. Dan Levy is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, That Aubrey Plaza and Kristen Stewart have like electric chemistry, but they are not the romantic couple in this film. Nope. But is it still worth saying? Yes. Okay. Because I, pe- people people do not rate are not rating Mackenzie Davis or her character highly enough, and I understand because she's deeply closeted and doesn't always do the right thing in the in the course of the movie. But so people are people are people are going off, but they're wrong. Okay. And I think, you know, it's, it's unfair because I think Aubrey Plaza has like electric chemistry with everybody. On yeah, that's true. 
Yeah, it's just it's just it's a universal condition. Yeah. Uh, what else is, is is there a series that I need to be watching? Uh, well, I mean, if you, if you're in the mood for some uh, high sci-fi adventure, uh, star. I mean, on Disney Plus, we've got some Star Wars Rebels, some Star Wars Clone Wars, uh, which ties in nicely to the current Mandalorian streaming series. Uh, about to end its second season, I believe, this Friday. Yes. So you plenty of time to catch up. Okay. Um, yeah, it was. In, I, I did watch the Mandalorian, the episode with uh, Ahsoka Tano, the character from Clone Wars mm-hmm. and from Rebels. Um, I felt a little bit like they were kind of uh, they were relying a little bit too much on the emotional attachment to that character that had been developed in the other animated fair that uh, a lot of the sort of character work that had been done there, they were expecting to have that carry through. Didn't give her enough space to, to sort of flourish on Mandalorian, but it's a half hour show. I guess it's kind of hard to do. Is that, that is true. Yeah, no, they, uh, as a friend of mine put it, he said that he, he said, maybe I don't want to watch the Mandalorian because I don't, he said, I'm not a huge star Wars fan. And I don't want to have to do homework, right? To 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 enjoy a show. Oh, I mean, I think it was a very, I think it was a really fun episode of television. Uh, but it, it helps to know who the character, who Tano is, because yeah. I mean, the whole thing is like, when's she going to show up? And then, within the first five seconds, there she is. Yeah. So. Yeah. And Rosario Dawson is phenomenal as a yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. great. And we're getting we're getting an Ahsoka Tano spin-off. That's great. That's fantastic. Um the the, the Mandalorian, I think it's uh I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it, especially once you you recognize that what you are basically getting is an 80s action TV show with 21st century cinematic quality effects and uh set design. That's pretty much it. It is. It is. Uh, um, it feels often like I'm watching like the A team, but good. Yeah, yeah. I I can, I can dig that because he he gets together with his crew on some episodes and they, they go do a thing. Yep. Or maybe he's Walker Texas Ranger in space. Also, something everybody has wanted. Oh, there is literally a Walker. Texas Ranger series coming uh, to the CW. Uh, so, by the by. in space or not in space? No, no. Well, not that we know of. Okay, I was actually lying. Um, I would rather shoot <laughs> off my foot than watch uh, Walker Texas Ranger. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, I am kind of with you on that. Yeah. Uh. Finally, uh, what I, this is something I don't know. There is a whole slate of Disney Plus, Marvel, and Star Wars shows coming. When do we get them? Uh, I, I want to watch WandaVision. I want to watch the hell out of WandaVision. WandaVision is the one that's coming the soonest. You're going to get that mid January, I believe. Yep. It's coming to uh, Disney Plus. So, uh, yeah, it looks uh, another trailer just arrived. It looks. It looks a little bizarre, and I, I'm liking it. Um, everything else is slowly being dribbled out over the course of 2021 and okay. beyond. Okay, so nothing before Christmas, though. Nope. Okay. No, sir. All right. So, 
will be, you'll have to rely on pre-existing content, I'm afraid. Okay. All right. Well, um, you know, I think that, uh, I think that pretty much winds it down for us for 2020. Um, wow. Yeah. How about we, we can now segue into some like nice Christmas music to finish off the year. That's a great idea. Um, so should we move to adjourn? I think we should move to adjourn. Okay. Well, I move. I second that second. Well, then this meeting is officially closed. You've been listening to the 2020 final edition of the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. Your hosts are Paul Shen and Morgan, music by Guy Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire. Uh, we can be reached... Where can we reach? On Twitter at Queen City IB. We're not on Facebook yet. Uh, also, we have our own website, queencityib.com. Um, but really, just check us out on the site, cjtr.ca. Uh, a bunch of our episodes are archived there. Plus, there's snappy photos. So, you know, check that out, too. Uh, what else? Yeah, stuff. Uh, we're broadcast 7 to 8 p.m. on Thursday evenings and Monday afternoons. We broadcast 3 to 4 p.m. Uh, yeah, after this, we get the cockpit. No, we've got Nerdcore Cabaret, followed by the cockpit, and the music all on through the night. That's it. Keep on improving. Hey, everybody. Before signing off for 2020, the show came up a little bit short this week, so we're going to rebroadcast our interview with Sandra Masters. We conducted this before the election happened, so it's kind of interesting to look back at what she had to say while she was on the campaign trail. Thanks so much for listening to us all year. Aiden and I will be back in 2021. Have a fantastic holiday season. The, the first bullet point in your platform is conduct an operations efficiency review within the first six months. Uh, and you want to find 15% in savings from increased operational efficiencies. So my question is, like, 15% of what? Because like, yeah. city, city operations are like $472 million. That'd be like 15% of that is $71 million. Is that like, is that actually your goal? I think I just like to set a goal. And I think 15%, it, frankly, when you're in a downturn in economy, you should be looking for 5, 10, 15% all the time. And I think cities should be held to the same kind of level of that. If you fall short of it, that's fine. But if that's what everybody's looking for, at least you're shooting at a place which isn't some sort of 5% number. Look, I've had discussions with people that work at the city and <laughs> some of these ideas come from people that actually do the job when they look at it in terms of we have a real problem in the city, both within and without city structure, about kind of operating in the silos. Like, and that's the word I keep hearing. We're all kind of stay in your lane sort of principle where you're, you do what you do and don't pay attention to anybody else. When we all know, whether it's life or work or anything else, we if you can share what it is you're doing with somebody else, sometimes you figure out, wait a minute, we're duplicating something or um, we're doing something that we shouldn't be doing because um, it's not necessary or uh, we have too many of X, it, whatever it is. And I, I just think if you start peeling that apart and have people set a target, and have people go after it, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by what you find. Like what scale of a review are you talking about? Are you talking about uh, like a management review um, like, do you, do you have a, uh, do you have like a plan in mind for how this would look? I think 
I understand it in terms of business units. So if you drill down into business units and you start at the top and you say you're going to find 15% and then every layer underneath that is going to look for something because to your point, it's a 400 plus million dollar budget, but some business units have $250,000 that, that is in their purview. Go have a look at it. I believe, I believe there's lots there that exists. And if you, there's an accountability piece but an ownership piece. And I think when people have a sense of ownership and a little bit more control over what it is they're doing and then, and getting kudos for it. Like, I just think it's, there's a bit of it, which is, even though it sounds like it's something potentially negative, I don't think it is. I think there's a review where everybody, everybody's important. Everybody that contributes to that bottom line or, or that expense line is important. And let's look at something collectively that we can improve upon. I think though that when some people would see a number like 15% uh, and compare it to the operations budget of 472 million, I think there, there may be a concern that people would see numbers that huge and worry that the only way to achieve that is by getting rid of people. <laughs> there are certain business lines that we can't lose any people from. I don't, I don't think it's about people at all. And I'm just gonna give you an example, okay? So, 10 years ago, there was a study done, one of the many that sit on a desk somewhere, that suggested certain things could happen with, with a couple, for example, that are underused and, uh, I mean, just badly in need of repair that money's never going to go into. And had they decommissioned two of them at the time when we had replacement coming on stream, would have saved the city $16 million. Over 10 years, mind you, but $16 million. Well, my math works $1.6 million. I'm sorry, uh, your your audio cut out just when you said what that was that was sitting on the shelf. <laughs> that, uh, sorry, there was a study done on some of our city rinks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, so you can get up at arms about city rinks and whatnot, but if you're going to end up, this is part of this planning thing, which if you look ahead, you have to know what needs to be addressed or you end up, you end up in a situation where multiple facilities at the same time or you know, our water, uh, our, our water pipe system or our underground utilities, everything starts to fail at the same time. And then it becomes overwhelming as opposed to planning for it. But there's an example where it's 1.6 million per year. It has nothing to do with people whatsoever. It has to do with the fact that we have aging assets and we need to plan better for how we either upgrade, replace, or decommission them. Okay. I want to jump, I want to put a pin in this for a sec. And I want to jump ahead to you. You also mentioned, cause I think this is tied into it. You mentioned in your, uh, your platform, that you want to rejuvenate the downtown by attracting investment uh, into the core. Uh, We had a downtown neighborhood plan that was passed in 2009, and then that was, uh, it informed and was incorporated into the official community plan. Uh, That you're identifying a need for rejuvenation. Uh, Does that imply that you see that downtown neighborhood plan as uh, sort of failing the promise that it uh, had offered? Failing the promise or simply not being followed or some combination thereof. Um, Like I'm going to come back again to when you have, it's 10%. I've heard the number 15. I've heard the number eight in terms of the property tax for the city that comes out of that downtown core. And I think it depends on where you draw where you draw that line. But if it's in that six block radius, it's 8%. If it's slightly outside of that, it starts to climb. And I think the frustration is when you walk down some of those streets, not Victoria Avenue, it's been fixed. Out in front of City Hall looks fantastic right now. But yep. some of those other streets are 
like this, you can't, you can't push wheelchairs on them because they're so cracked or whatever, or it becomes quite difficult. Um, we've, we've, we, we piecemeal stuff in this city because in order to make, in order to mollify maybe is the word to use, uh, some particularly outspoken group, we do one small thing. And I'm going to go back to planning. It's just start attacking it methodically, put it into a multi-year budget, and you'll figure out every year we're going to spend X amount of dollars and we're going to do this, this, this. The other thing is, is there's an intensification levy that the city put into place because they have this mantra that growth should pay for growth, which ironically hinders growth <laughs> because we have dilapidated buildings, which some of them just need some love. And if a, if, if an, a property owner or someone looking to locate downtown didn't have to spend an extra 30% on the value of, of the renovation or the overhaul they wanted to do, that would act, you kind of get out of their way then. You, that's an, by not having a disincentive, it's an incentive at this point in time. And I really think downtown that's necessary in terms of we don't need vacant buildings. We don't need more parking lots. We, we need people to live there. We need people to come and locate there or, or to operate within the existing structures that are now vacant. 